Warning! The following presentation contains information that might contradict what you have previously heard, or believed to be true, about how the human body works, and contains material that is not suitable for closed-minded individuals. Enjoy! Well, thanks for joining us. We're going to uh, be talking a little bit about uh, goals and goal setting as it relates to the upcoming attempt for New Year's resolutions. And the fact that it feels like we are constantly uh, redoing the same resolution and the same resolution and the same resolution, particularly as it relates to our health and fitness. And so we'll talk a little bit about goal setting and the importance of, of goals as it relates to our ability to reach our resolutions and maintain those resolutions long term. And our idea about goals and goal setting here is going to be based off of an adage that tends to get attributed to uh, the late John Wooden, where failing to prepare is preparing to fail. And when we start looking at goals and goal setting, particularly as it relates to health and fitness, we have to separate out the dream that we might have from the goals that we might have. We may all have a dream to have a certain type of body image or body morphology. We may have a dream of having this certain type of level of fitness, but without knowing how to go about achieving that dream, it remains a dream. And so when we start looking at goals and goal setting, we start looking at how we can make resolutions achievable. We have to differentiate between our dreams and our goals. And the biggest uh, difference that we see between dreams and goals is the need to have objective markers, the need to have time points, the need to have specificity in our statements. And so let's talk about dreams. Let's talk about goals. Let's talk about how we can go about reaching our goals so that we can achieve our dreams. So as we start to set up for resolutions, as we start to think about how we're going to somehow uh, change our lifestyle to somehow improve our overall health or overall fitness, we have to kind of take a step back and think about, okay, what am I going to do that's different? What am I going to do that's going to lead to a change? Because so often we kind of sit back and, and basically just make the same resolution after the same resolution after the same resolution when it starts dealing with our overall health and our overall fitness. And it leads to kind of a, a question that we will internalize. What am I doing wrong? The quotes around wrong. That's keeping me from reaching that resolution. And it can make us think that we're somehow failing. But could it be that we're simply setting ourselves up for failure based off of what we think that resolution might be? That we're conflating goals and dreams for each other? That we're making a dream of fitness? Instead of making stepwise improvements in health, stepwise improvements in fitness being the goals, where the endpoint might be a change in body image, a change in body morphology that we think is a change in fitness? Are we setting ideals to be fit instead of setting goals in order to get fit? 
And part of this is going to uh, lead with and come to ideas. And some of this is going to come around ideas and ideals that get, uh, I guess for, a be- for lack of a better word, messed up in some of the way in which we talk about this based off of what we see in social media, based off what we see in uh, television shows or on internet shows, depending upon how you get your media, where we don't get realistic in terms of the image of the individual or what somebody did in order to get the changes that were seen or being seen in the persons that we're watching. And so one of the things we have to uh, look at is we have to look at, okay, what am I doing? And this is where I get asked a lot. And it usually falls back to this resolution idea about weight and wanting to lose weight. And the lifestyle changes and the fact that uh, someone will, will state that they're having trouble with follow through because they'll start, but within a few weeks they give up. And it's one of the things that I kind of joke about with students is that if you want to get your good New Year's workouts in, don't go in January, wait until mid-February. Because that's when everybody that has these unrealistic ideals will drop out, will stop going to the gym. And it goes back to the, to the statement that people would, would state that they always start, but within a few weeks, they, they end up giving up because they don't see the results that they think they should see. And it's a common thought. And so if you have this thought, don't lose heart. It's, it's very, very common. And it's an issue that comes about due to unrealistic expectations. And it's that unrealistic expectations that can be, that can be tamped down. It's this unrealistic expectations that can be tamped down if we establish goals correctly. And this is where we have to realize a couple of things about the social media feeds that we see and about the television or the internet shows that we might be watching as it relates to changes that we might perceive in individuals where we have editing taking place with the photos that are being presented where we're not actually seeing reality. And it's that lack of reality within the photos that we're seeing in social media that has led to a rise in body image issues, dysmorphic thoughts over the last few years. It's also the inability to understand how the television shows, how the internet shows have been edited so that we don't see 12, 13, 14, 18 months of time where we're seeing what looks like a week-to-week or a day-to-day change, but we also don't see all of the other things going into play as relates to changes that might be occurring for the individuals that we're watching. And we start thinking, oh, I can make these huge, drastic changes in a very short period of time. Or I can look like that model. And by model, we're talking about the, the image model. I can look like that that person who happens to be a model without understanding that they have the genetics, they have the phenotype, they have the the genes and the body morphology 
the body shape based off of those genes to have that body image. We don't all have those genes. We don't have the, those phenotypes as the, the term in science gets applied. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't use those as dreams. But we can't use those dreams as endpoints. This is where we need to separate the idea about what we want to achieve, our dreams, from what we should and are able to accomplish our goals. Wants and dreams are great to have, but we need to ensure that we have a way to stepwise meet those dreams. And the way in which we're able to stepwise meet those dreams is through establishing realistic and specific goals. When we start looking at realistic and specific goals, we have to start taking a step back and say, okay, how should I be writing my goals? Because the goals aren't the endpoint. The goals are giving me feedback. They're giving me a chance to realize, am I working towards what I want to get to? And this is where we use the acronym SMART. And so all of our goals are going to be SMART goals. They're going to be specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. All of them are going to feed it together in developing the goals. And so when we start looking at goals, what we have to do is we have to make sure that the goals are accomplishable. We can make those goals. They're formed around parameters that I can measure and I can track. If I cannot measure it and I cannot track it, that implicit goal is not a goal, but is a wish or a dream. And that's the key difference that we have to start with when we start establishing the goals that we're going to set for ourselves in the new year as it relates to our fitness and our overall health. Because without having measurable, trackable, achievable measures, we're never going to reach our resolution. And so that might be why we continue to have this failure after failure after failure when it comes to our resolutions. And so what are some poorly written goals? And so some poor, poorly written goals might be something like, as simply as, I want to lose 50 pounds. While 50 pounds gives me an objective measure, there's nothing in terms of that goal that either gives me a time frame for that 50 pound loss or how I'm going to go about achieving that 50 pound loss. I can lose 50 pounds by simply chopping off a leg. I'll meet my resolution of losing 50 pounds. It might not be functionally the best thing for me to do. It might not be the best thing for me health-wise to do, but I'll reach that goal. And because we don't have any specificity to that goal, we don't have any measurability to that goal, we don't have any ways of understanding if we are going to achieve that goal, we don't have any relevance to that goal, and we don't have a time-bound measurement in that goal, that weight loss idea is not a goal. We need to establish a way that we're going to be able to set up a stepwise change in our lifestyle that will eventually reach that 50-pound loss, if that's my dream, my ideal. 
where I can see changes in my overall health and my overall performance along the way to getting to that 50 pounds. And here's the thing, and this is where a lot of weight loss resolutions fail, is that even though 50 pound loss or weight loss in general might be my ultimate ideal, my ultimate goal, my ultimate wish, I don't want to set up weight loss as the stepwise progress to getting to weight loss. It sounds counterintuitive. The goals that we want to have should not be on weight, but should be on improvements in performance or improvements in behavior and not weight as the measurable outcome. Can you track weight? Yes, but should weight be that goal that's going to give me my feedback as to should I continue or not? No. Why is that? Why should goals about weight loss not be about my weight? And that's because we're using something that's simply going to measure a static thing, my weight. It doesn't tell me what kind of weight it happens to be. And if I'm going to use that as my feedback, it's going to give me a negative reinforcer. It's going to give me something that could discourage me from doing what I should be doing for a lifestyle change. Because if I am lifting weights, if I am doing things I should be doing to improve my overall health, I may not see a change in the scale weight. But I will see changes in my performance. I may see changes in how my clothes fit. I may see changes in my stamina. I may see changes in my strength in the gym, which should all act as a positive reinforcement, something to encourage me to continue. But as soon as I step on the scale and the scale says, oh, you were supposed to have lost five pounds this week, but you gained two pounds. All of a sudden, I now get this negative reinforcer. I get this thing that's going to discourage me from continuing. Because instead of seeing weight come down, I saw weight go up. And that's where we see weight as a static thing. Because it doesn't tell me anything but weight. And this is where we have to think about reinforcers. Reinforcers might negatively impact my selection of behaviors. Or it could positively impact my selection for behaviors. And based off of the totality of positive and negative pressures, positive and negative reinforcers, I'm going to select things that are going to be most psychologically appeasing to me, whether or not it's going to give me overall performance changes or help me gain in my overall health, my overall fitness, or for the resolution of losing weight to lose weight. And so when we start looking at goals, we may have this, okay, my 50 pound weight loss is my ultimate goal. How am I going to go about doing it? So now we're going to go back into our SMART goals and we're going to start making things that are specific measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. And this is where I say, okay, I'm going to make short-term goals, 
I'm going to make intermediate goals so that I can get to my long-term goal of 50 pound weight loss. My short-term goals are my daily and weekly goals. And this is where we will write something like, at the end of the week, I will go to the gym. At the end of the week, I will run three miles. Or my intermediate goal, something like, I will one month from now have a healthier life. All of those have time boundness. All of those have some level of specificity to it. But now we have to start thinking about, okay, are they measurable, are they achievable, and are they relevant? Well, let's start off with that at the end of the week, I will go to the gym. Is it measurable? Yeah, it's measurable. I can determine, did I go to the gym or not? Is it achievable? Well, it is because I can call up friends and say, hey, let's go to the gym. Is it relevant? Sure. It's relevant because I know that in order for me to have appropriate changes in my body composition, appropriate changes in my weight, I need to increase my level of exercise. Is it time bound? It is. It's time bound. It says in a week, I will go to the gym. But here's the thing. It's not that specific. Within that goal, we'll get to some more how to put together some really good goals here as we go through. It doesn't give me anything to check off. What am I doing at the gym? I can have a goal that says go to the gym. I can go to the gym, walk in, go in the locker room, get intimidated, turn around, walk out. Did I reach my goal of going to the gym? Yes. Was it something that provided a measurable, achievable thing towards my overall goal? Not really. Same thing with the goal of at the end of the week, I will run three miles. Having that goal of running three miles is great, but we need to have something like a time limit on how long is it going to take me to run three miles? Am I going to allow myself to walk during those three miles? But on the other side of that, am I even capable of running three miles right now? If I'm not running right now at all, if I have been sitting on the couch, watching television, going to bed, waking up, going to the office, sitting in front of the computer, coming home, sitting on the couch, watching television, and that's my daily routine, the idea of me being able to run three miles at the end of the week is not realistic. It's not realistic because it's not relevant to what my current level of fitness happens to be. And so that three-mile run, while a good measure, is not something that is achievable for me based off of what my current level of fitness happens to be. And so we also have to look at this intermediate goal of, okay, I'm going to live a healthier life. Well, we don't have definitions here. We need to understand, okay, what does healthier life mean or a healthy life mean? And so without having a definition, a relevance to the idea of healthy life, it once again becomes unbounded. And because it becomes unbounded, we can't use it as a goal. And so if we take a step back and once again, Think about, okay, what should I form my goals around? 
how should I form my goals? Because we want to once again make smart goals because we want to be able to stepwise our progress from where we're at on December 31st to where we're going to be at the following December 31st. 365 days plus a little bit in between those two time points. And this is where we have to make sure that goals are formed in such a way that they're a little bit challenging, but still reachable and provide continuous progression from the short-term daily weekly goals to the intermediate goals through encouragement and feedback to the ultimate long-term goal, the resolution that we are pursuing. And goals need to be used in conjunction with each other to encourage a continuous modification of the behaviors. We have to get feedback from our goals. So we cannot write goals in isolation. We cannot use a week one goal as a standalone goal. We cannot use the week two goal as a standalone goal. Week one will lead to week two. Week two will lead to week three. Week three will lead to week four, so on and so forth. And it provides this continuous feedback. It provides this continuous encouragement. It provides us the ability to continually modify our behaviors in such a way that the goal progression pulls us along. And it pulls us along based off of principles of behavioral modifications where we look at, at the end of the goal segment, was I able to reach the goal or not? And just because I didn't reach the goal doesn't mean it was a failure. It simply means that I did not have a realistic time frame or the measure was too much for me to be able to reach or I didn't quite understand where I happened to be at the time that I wrote the goal. But what it does is it allows us to provide the feedback so that we know, okay, how do I have to modify? Because what we want to do is we want to provide increased levels of confidence in ourselves and in our abilities to reach the goals so that we can continually uh, provide encouragement to ourselves so that we can ultimately reach that idea that we have set for ourselves that is our resolution. The goal progression is going to combine that moderate, reachable, difficult goal with incentives, with feedback, where we can determine is the goal too easy, is the goal too difficult, but at the same time, we're going to allow ourselves a little bit of leeway in terms of how we feel about ourselves in terms of our goals. And this is where we don't want to write goals that are too easy for ourselves, because if they're too easy, then we're going to become lackadaisical. We're going to uh, limit the drive to continue because, oh, I was very easily reaching that goal. 
And if it's very easy to reach that goal, then I'm going to make something that is too unrealistic in the next goal. And if it's too unrealistic, if it's too hard, then the incentives that we have for reaching the goal do not get paid for by the effort that we put into making that goal reachable. And that becomes the discouragement that we want to try to avoid in writing our goals. The other thing we want to be very cognizant of is that we don't succumb to social pressures and expectations for our goals or for the behaviors to reach those goals. Because if we succumb to those pressures, then we're not self-selecting. We're being coerced into action. Even if we don't feel we're being coerced into action. And so how do we go about setting up some realistic goals? So what should some realistic goals look like? Well, we have that at the end of the week, I will go to the gym. That was the first attempt at writing the goal. But once again, it wasn't smart enough. It wasn't established in a way that we are able to start the stepping stone process so that we're able to get to where we want to ultimately get to. So instead of just saying, I'm gonna to go to the gym, I'm gonna meet my workout partner at the gym two times in the week for weightlifting. And I'm gonna meet my workout partner once in the week for playing racquetball. I now have specificity to that. I have relevance to what I want to do. I understand what types of behaviors I like doing. I understand time parameters within that. And then I can add on to that. I want to be able to do the three miles. And so I know that I am very sedentary. And so I want to start to become more active. I'm meeting a workout partner at the gym. We're playing racquetball. We're lifting weights. But I know that's not the same as running. So I want to get my body ready to run. And so I can make a sub goal within that week that says at the end of the week, I will walk with the dog around the neighborhood. And I will walk with the dog around the neighborhood each day this week. It doesn't give me specificity in terms of speed or how long. All I know is that it's about going around the block. That is the relevance. That is the measurability. That is the achievability. Because I'm not saying you can do it without stopping. I'm not saying that you have to do it in 10 minutes. It's about simply going around the block. And so we then revisit the end of week one. Was I able to get to the gym to lift weights a couple of times? Was I able to get to the gym to play racquetball? Was I able to take the dog for a walk each day 
And I start looking at, okay, what are the time parameters? Am I, do I have enough time in the day to do those things? Do I have to start making changes in other things to accommodate the changes that I want to make at the end of week one? And let's say that it was taking me an hour to walk around the neighborhood. So instead of walk the entire neighborhood, I make a change in week two. And I say, okay, I'm going to walk around the neighborhood or I'm going to drive to the park with the dog and we're going to walk for 45 minutes twice a week. I now have a specific time frame. I don't care how far I travel. It's about walking continuously for 45 minutes. Either around the park or around the neighborhood. Was I able to get the gym? Yes, I was able to get to the gym. Was I able to meet my workout partner for the times that we had set? Yes. So I'm going to keep that goal for week two. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a goal where I'm going to meet my workout partner at the gym and we're going to increase the intensity of the workout. I'm going to add an extra two reps for every exercise or I'm going to go from one set to two sets. And at the end of that second week, I'm going to take a step back and say, okay, was I able to walk continuously for 45 minutes? Was I able to do the extra few reps? Was I able to do the extra set? Was I able to play another, an extra game of racquetball without fatigue at the end of week two? And so what that allows me to do is that allows me to realistically evaluate how am I doing at my goals. And what this does is that allows me to establish an intermediate goal that was once have a healthier life to now state I will one month from now be a regular exerciser, going to the gym to lift at least three times per week, and jogging the neighborhood with the dog at least twice per week. Once again, I'm not saying how long I'm jogging in that time frame, because I don't want to set something that is unrealistic to what my relevant level of fitness happens to be. However, I can make an intermediate goal based off of week one and week two for the next set of goals where I say, okay, my second intermediate goal would be to complete a three-mile run without needing to walk. and complete it in under 35 minutes. I now have parameters to that goal. It now makes that goal more specific. It gives boundary to it. It gives me measurability to it. Based off of what I'm doing for the first couple of weeks, it gives me something that I know 
can be achievable. The only thing that's not happening right now in terms of all of my goals is I'm not basing it on what the scale happens to be. And that's the key here. And this comes into something that we looked at with trying to get people to stop being yo-yoers, yo-yo dieters, yo-yo exercisers. Where we used the scale to measure because we needed to do some metabolic stuff. But all of our fitness goals, all of our health goals, all of our outcomes that we established within the training was all about performance. It was never about weight. Weight became a secondary factor. And that's what we're seeing here in terms of how we're establishing our goals. Is that weight becomes a secondary factor. So instead of developing our habits about what the scale happens to say, we're developing habits that are going to be self-regulated and self-efficacy. They're going to be self-motivational. They're going to be self-monitored behaviors. And the ability to have self-regulated, self-monitored behaviors have high self-efficacy in my behavior selection, it allows me to change my overall habits. There is a misnomer that habits take 21, 28 days in order to be established. It doesn't. It do, there's no actual set time frame for establishing habits. The only thing that we know that comes into play in terms of establishing habits is that the behavior has to be self-selected and self-regulated. We have to have internal incentives and internal rewards for meeting the goals that's going to change one behavior for another behavior, to change habits. And the easiest way to develop this change in habits is to make sure that incentives are always encouraging and never discouraging. Always positive in nature and never punitive in nature. As we start to kind of change our mindset here in terms of how we establish these goals, so that we're selecting things that we want to do, doing things that we like to do, getting positive feedback and not negative feedback on our behavioral changes. We're able to act out of want, not out of fear. And once we have that new habit formed, we then start seeing all of our performance gains. And those performance gains are going to allow us to continually refine our pattern of healthy behaviors so that we're able to reach our ultimate ideal, our wish of that weight loss. And here's the thing that most people don't quite get. If I like changing one behavior towards a healthier behavior. It's 
easier for me to change other behaviors to be, quote, healthy behaviors, end quote. I'm able to change something that is not allowing me to have fitness, to have high performance, for something that will allow me to have fitness, to have high performance. And this is going to kind of compound on itself and it's going to make reaching my ultimate ideal that much easier, especially if I'm able to get a secondary set of encouragement, an external encourager. And that's where having that workout partner comes into play. Where having that accountability comes into play. Because having accountability and having encouragement is necessary to achieve whatever goal we're going to set for ourselves. This is where we can use our significant other. This is where we can use our workout partner. This is where we can use our pet. This is where we can use the fitness trackers or the um, online tracking programs. What it does is it takes the sole individual out of it and makes it a community. And if we're all pulling in the same direction, if we're all pulling in the same direction, it makes it that much easier to reach. And what it does is it increases the ability for me to have follow through, especially if I can get rid of the unrealistic goals. And one of the things that we have to remember in terms of this unrealistic goal, particularly if it's a goal about weight loss or body compositional changes, is that strength changes usually will start to come into play within one to three weeks, will maximize somewhere between six and 12 weeks. Same with performance changes, endurance changes, coordination changes, but body composition, body morphology usually is in the realm of 8 to 12 weeks before I will start seeing body compositional changes. And if I don't start changing how I am behaving at the end of that 12 weeks, I will stop seeing changes. And this is where we have to start to periodize our training, to start having changes in how we train so that we have continuous improvements coming into play. And so what you want to do, what I would recommend doing is go ahead and go to the discussion we had about periodization or in the substack, the passage on periodization and look at, okay, how can I periodize my workout? But what we don't want to do is we don't want to establish these changes based off of the misguided notion of needing caloric imbalance, a negative caloric imbalance. It's not about calorie balance. It's a misjudgment in terms of how we should establish our workouts and establish our diets as it relates to 
that ultimate ideal or the ultimate goal of weight loss, if that happens to be our long-term goal, which is, tends to be the number one resolution that's out there. This is where we want to think about, okay, what are all of the factors that are going to come into play that's going to relate to my body composition, my overall health, my fitness? And it's not about calories. It's about nutrition. It's about hormones. It's about how uh, my physiological responses to exercise, the way in which my body responds to exercise is going to cause changes in my hormones, the way in which nutrition is going to supplement those changes in hormones. That's going to allow me to have the changes in my body, the changes in my performance, the changes in my fitness. That's going to allow me to ultimately reach my goals. The dietary goals that we should have established within these long-term ideals is about my establishing my nutrient balances so that I can make sure that I'm providing the body the nutrition that it needs in order for me to achieve the goals that I want to achieve. And by doing all of this, what we're able to do is we're able to establish the time frame. We're able to provide the feedback. We're able to provide the encouragement that we need that's going to make that ideal that we have about weight loss, once again, tends to be the most common of the New Year's resolutions, a realistic phenomenon, not some wishy-washy dream that we might have. Or it's going to allow us to have the appropriate changes in the body so that I'm losing the correct type of body tissue, fat mass, while keeping the correct body tissue, fat-free mass. Because what I want to do is I want to lose fat mass, but I want to keep fat-free mass. I want to keep muscle. I want to keep bone. I want to keep all of the important stuff, but I don't want to lose those things as I'm losing fat. Because once again, if all I'm doing is using the scale, the scale doesn't tell me what type of tissue I'm losing, what type of tissue I'm gaining. It simply tells me how much mass happens to be there. And so what can we say that would allow us to be able to set our goals? We have a a couple of kind of guidelines here. We want to make sure that they're moderate in difficulty, but reachable. We want to make sure that they're based on a specific behavior that we're trying to change. We want to make sure that we are utilizing what our current abilities happen to be when we're choosing the specific behaviors we're hoping to alter or the gains and losses we're hoping to make. We want to make sure that we're developing goals from short to intermediate to long so that we're able to short-term goal, to intermediate goal, to long-term goal, our progress in a stepping stone-wise fashion. That gives us a continuum of encouragement that makes the long-term goal both reachable and maintainable. We want to make sure we're utilizing incentives that are going to be relevant to the difficulty of the goal that we're trying to reach. We don't want to use incentives in such a way that they become punitive 
we always want to use incentives that are encouraging, that are nurturing our progress. And we want to make sure we're establishing all of our goals based off of realistic timelines. Once again, we have to remember eight to 12 weeks for the body composition changes, three to four weeks for performance gains and performance changes. We want to make sure we're changing what we're doing at the end of those timeframes. So we're continually progressing through the year so that we're able to obtain our ideal at the end of the year so that we're able to reach the goals, reach the ideals, reach the dreams that we're setting up for ourselves in our resolution. If you'd like to join a chat that we'll be starting in January on this, please make sure you check out the Substack. Link is in the description as well as in the bio where we're going to uh, discuss based off of uh, internet comments, internet feedback, how we can go about establishing goals, how we can go about checking in on those goals so that we can develop better habits, better lifestyle, so that we can actually say we are living a quote-unquote healthy life. But more importantly, we're doing stuff in such a way that we're able to reach the ultimate goal here. The dream that we have established as our full resolution. That resolution that we cannot reach without having that stepwise goals that are specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. Thanks for listening. Hopefully you got a little bit out of the conversation here as it relates to how to make goals for my New Year's resolution. Please make sure you're giving us those five-star uh, reviews. Please make sure if you haven't that you're subscribing and clicking the alerts so that we uh, publish stuff, you're getting them in terms of your feeds. Please make sure you're sharing out what we're putting with putting out there so that everybody's able to, to join in. If you haven't followed us on all the platforms that we're publishing on, Substack, YouTube, the podcast, as well as putting out some shorts on Instagram and on threads, please make sure you're clicking on those links to follow us on all of the publications.